Kessel slows the progress towards the line. Kept in the zone by Stevenson. Left circle, centered, score! Barbashev at the back door! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Marcia so right side, feeds Eichel, opens up, he shoots, he scores! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Chapman and I just went out and did a big, mean, mean set out in the deck. A couple of power lifts, just working on the legs right now. It's leg day. And over at Oil Hotel and Casino, it's Ryan Wallace and my buddy James rocking it at the Oil Hotel and Casino and the Underground Lounge. You guys would love what we were just doing. Okay. All right. Buff. This is Buff. the most ridiculous hey, thing I've ever heard in my what's, life. What's happening at Oil? Oh, you know, we're just hanging out. We're doing our thing as uh, we always do on a Wednesday. Every single Wednesday, unless there's a game in which we'll either move it to a Tuesday or a Thursday. But yes, every single Wednesday, we are here at the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Uh, pool season officially underway. Plenty of food and drink specials when you go and hang out at the pool. Who doesn't like Vegas weather at this time of year? Uh, North America's largest Hooters. I'm, I'm staring right at it. It's across the way from me. Plenty of food and drink specials in there. World famous chicken wings. Cannot miss. $1 blackjack tables, the only casino on the Strip doing that. Home of the $2 Bud, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra. Always free parking. And the vibes, as the kids say today, are immaculate down here every what? single time. Yeah, yeah. The kids don't the say immaculate. immaculate. Yeah, they do. No. Yes. The butler says immaccurate. No, no, no. The kids People from today. Princeton say immaculate. No, no, no. See, the kids the don't thing. say You're out of touch. immaculate. Yeah, no, they for do. one, it's way too many syllables for kids. Oh, There's wow. a budget on syllables for kids. You're just you're just coming at the intelligence of children. Yeah, well, I've got two. Wow. Trust me on that. I know That's from experience amazing. on that side of it. Unreal. My kids listen all the time too. They they're they're very uh, aware of. Sure, uh, I'm sure uh, they'll love that I, part of the show. Oh yeah. Hey, I speak to them the same way I'd speak to you, and uh, and the James and Chapman and uh, all kinds of uh, people listening around the world on the VGK Insider Show and Fox Sports Las Vegas as we try to come to terms with a one nothing series deficit against the Winnipeg Jets. Any concern at all? Tell me right now. I mean. <laughs> Game one was concerning, but I think that it goes to show and, and kind of doubling down on what we were talking about in the first hour is that you have to allow a team to show you what their response is. In, in the same way we kind of talked last night about Jack Eichel, now he's been through it. Now he's played his first NHL playoff game. It's unfair to judge Jack based on the first game. Now we have to see how he responds, just like we have to see how the entire Golden Knights team responds under Bruce Cassidy in a playoff series behind the eight ball. So yesterday was concerning, absolutely, but I also believe that this team, all season long they've shown it, an ability to bounce back from a tough loss. I think that you know you, you concern shouldn't set in until the Golden Knights go out, and if they go out tomorrow and play great, fantastic. If they go out and it's a similar type of situation, then that, to me, is where the concern can set in. So you're able to just rinse it? I, I think that it you have to keep it in the back of your mind, but yeah, I, I think that you can 
you can just try to turn the page. I, I think you have to look at it and turn the page and, and trust in what this team has done historically this year after a bad loss. Uh, I rinse it. It's gone. Never to be seen again. And try to um, play your game tomorrow night as much as you can. There's, there's nothing really tactically that I can get out of that. They'll do some video, uh, more on the on the exits and the zone entries and trying to, to be uh, a little bit cleaner in that regard. Certainly some power play work. But, uh, but beyond that, uh, everybody minus Smith or Carlson was just uh, a little bit out of sync. And uh, on the defensive side, you did a lot of good things. Uh, th- what, what Winnipeg got... You actually gave them uh, off, uh, off a couple of turnovers, so you, you clean that up. You're you're even more uh, advantageous with with your game on the defensive side of it, and, and able to to limit the, the Winnipeg Jets. But the, the the offensive side, it's gone. It's flushed. And see you later. And uh, we'll we'll work on it tomorrow night. I wonder how much. Bruce Cassidy as of the same ilk in the sense of forget about it. Here's Bruce Cassidy today, City National Arena, the day after dropping the 5-1 decision, going into practice and thinking about what to do for game number two. Uh, ben Goetz, Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, Bruce, just what do you view as the key to bouncing back tomorrow? Well, we got to get to our game. Um, I think we got a bit away from it with our rush reads, gave up some goals. We got burnt on a line change there. We're a little late. Uh, puck management, we've talked about that all year. That needs to be better in those situations. So take care of that part of it to get back to where we are and then the adjust, you know, not the adjustment, to, but against Winnipeg, you got to get inside, uh, get some opportunities there. Hellebuck's a good goaltender, but when rebounds start happening, everyone kind of averages out. So we got to make sure we're willing to do that. And obviously our power play give us some life. Doesn't always score, but it got to give you some momentum, got to give you some juice and the threat, and, and then obviously get the timely goal. There was a couple opportunities to do that, and it didn't happen. Um, Ed Grainer, Review Journal, as early as in a series, just 1-0, is it good, though, to have a locker room full of veterans who kind of move on quickly and can have been there and kind of can help anyone else along? Yeah, I think it's playoffs become about the response. Um, that's in game two, from shift to shift, a goal against. Uh, penalty kill, how, you know, he responded a lot of different things. But more game to game, you know, we have to be better. It's that simple. Like, there was no one area. It was in our, our entire game wasn't where the level it needs to be, I think, to, to beat playoff caliber teams last night. And, and you're going to lose games when it is at that level sometimes too, right? Because you get against better teams and so will the opposition. So that's the first thing we got to get rid of or get back to is, and I think our guys understand that. Like, <clears throat> they should. They're, they are a veteran group. Um, been through some playoff series. So I think everybody knows it's, you know, it's not won or lost after one game. You got to, you got to get better. And for, for us, it's obviously a lot better, but I, I expect we will. We're a good hockey team. Team had 111 points this year. So we're not going to, I mean, we did talk about that. We're going to define ourselves by one hockey game. We didn't play well, but, you know, we got to make sure we correct it. Danny Webster, Las Vegas Sun. You mentioned getting back to your game. I think it was 27 hits from you guys in the first period last night. I think the average for you guys this year was 23 throughout an entire game. Were you surprised at the physicality? I know it's playoff hockey, so the Well, it seemed both teams had a lot of hits, so I don't know sometimes if it's, you know, the people making those decisions if, if they decided some were more than others. But at the end of the day, it was a high volume, I thought, on both teams. Um, 
I think that's playoff hockey. Guys were. I think you've got to be careful. You don't chase hits all over the ice, but you got to not turn them down when they're there for you. And I think our guys bought into that. I had no problem with our physicality. I think early on we tried to play behind them, and we, we had some good looks. That the the Brett Howden chance is a good <clears throat> example of that to me. How it seems on the road that puck has gone in for us this year, and all of a sudden you're playing with the lead. The other team maybe now at home is trying to push, and at home it hasn't gone in as much for whatever reason. That just seems to be a little bit of. Um, how things have played out, and you know, maybe it's different. You know, everyone gets going, but at the end of the day, you got to stay with it. And I thought we did early, and then we got away from it late. But the physicality, I thought, on both sides was there when the, the situation dictated. I don't think the game was dirty by any means. I know one of their players went off, and unfortunate. You know, I hope he's all right. But the, he got hit with a skate. I don't think that was anything malicious. That was a, you know, pile up in front of our net. Other than that, I thought it was a pretty clean game in terms of the physicality. It is a very positive group. I found I've had to be the bad guy at times. That's part of the coaching hats you have to wear. And other times, not to wear it because they're a positive group. You don't want to get them away from that, right? So there's some corrections that need to be made throughout the year at certain times. You've been here all year. You probably could, you know, know when they are. And, and one of them was today practicing, right? There's, there was no set plan that we were automatically going to practice today, but I just felt like we need to correct a few things, get out there and feel better about ourselves once we get on the ice because they are a positive group. So you skate a little bit, you feel better. They're going to leave the rink today, I would, I would think, better than they showed up this morning. And, you know, that's a good thing with this group. We want to be positive tomorrow. So as I said, we're, we're a good hockey club. I don't think yesterday is the, what should define us, but it's up to us to change that now. Are they also themselves? Well, they can only answer that because I, I do my one-on-one -on -one meetings and team meetings, and I think it's a good group. I think there's some, a lot of back and forth. There's guys that have been around that like to do things, you know, Gary their own way at certain times, that we have to meet them halfway as coaches. I understand that part. Uh, that won't change from team to team, I don't think. They're established veterans. So I think they are. I think they know when they've... When you see a team not go through a run of a long losing streak, that pretty much tells you, hey, this team corrects. They, 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 they know and they have to correct. We had one very, I would say, small four games, right? We still got points out of those where we were not on our game. There was a stretch at home there. We were a couple on, couple off, but we still got through it. So I think we are, um, or they are, because that's how I would measure that. Um, usually you get back to your, you know, instead of making excuses, you get back to what you need to do. And um, they've been good with that all year, not, not injuries or goaltending, whatever the situation, not making excuses. Jesse Granger with The Athletic. You mentioned not letting that game define you, one bad game. Um, you switched the lines up midway through it, and it looks like you're going back to the original lines. Is that just a case of you like the, the depth? Well, that's, that's what got us here. Um, there's some loyalty to the players that got you this far, and, and I think we owe them as much to sort of correct here uh, tomorrow. We made the switch because I just we got behind, and Winnipeg's a good defensive team, and it didn't look like a lot of room out there. so. Maybe it gets a spark. Uh, we get it to two to one. Whether it has anything to do with the lines changed, I don't know. But it's two to one, and now you know maybe there's some juice. But it didn't work out that way early in the third. We, you know, we weren't able to build off that, or late in the second with the power play. So we may switch again. I mean, these are things you have to consider. I think the Stone, Eichel, Stevenson line was very good when they were going, and we have that in the back of our mind. Whether it was too soon to sort of throw that in there. 
you know, you never know. You try things and see if they work. Um, I think that was as much to help Mark Stone because he hasn't played in so long. And it's Jack's first playoff game. So there's a little bit of trying to get them all going with, with Stevie, who's been through it. Um, and Ammo less so. Don't forget, I think Mike's played, what, one playoff game going into last night. So that's a big ask for him as well. So we have a bit of that. Um, but now that they've had at least one taste of it, let's see where see where we go tomorrow. Ken Volke, Sinman, Not Vegas. A number of the guys mentioned putting the pucks in better spots on the dump-ins. I'm wondering how much you thought Hellebuck impacted the game playing the puck. Well, we know he likes to go to his forehand, as, or sorry, his backhand as much as his forehand. We just weren't able to cut them off. Uh, any goalie that usually gets enough touches that's been in the league for a while, usually it helps the other team because it's just, I won't say it's one more defenseman because that's, you know, you know, there's limited guys that can do that, but usually it's a guy that's crafty enough to push it to one side or the other and make a good decision. He did. He made good decisions with the pucks last night. I don't remember him mis misplaying any or, or getting himself in trouble. Um, so that could, could have been a factor. Uh, I did see us get pucks below the goal line early on where we did get them back and forecheck well. So to me, it's the volume of that, that instead of forcing a play, it's not there. Whether he touches a few of them or not, if you're doing it enough and turning, they're turning back, you will force errors. You will force them to execute, and no, no team's perfect. So um, is, is there some validity to that? Yes, but to me, it was more about how many we got behind there than, than maybe where they landed. <laughs> Bruce, uh, Dave Gosher with the VGK people. Last night, uh, you switch up lines half, kind of halfway through the game, I guess. Um, do you have an internal clock as to when to pull that trigger? Or is it situational? Situational. So are, yeah. we, are we generating anything with the, the other lines? Is the team doing a good job shutting us down? Do we want to get away from a matchup? There's some different things. The matchup for me, less, much less so. I mean, we won 26 road games this year, rolling lines over the boards, right? Our guys are used to that. They've been asked to play against the guy across from you. Obviously in the playoffs, are there some distinct advantages you can get? Yes, and, and we'll, we'll see how those play out. But I've always thought down the middle of the ice, we have four guys that are good conscientious center icemen, uh, and we have three pairs of D that can play against anybody. So that's how we've tried to build confidence in the group. Um, so, that part, we're, we're never nervous about a, a certain matchup. Obviously, if there's a guy like Morrissey that moves well on the offensive blue line, our right wingers have to be more dialed in, or Makar on the other side, our left wingers, right? There's you got to account for those things. Um, and then maybe that's where a matchup changes for you. But at the end of the day, that's, that's how we look at it. So for me, it was more about lack of generation, getting a spark. Um, no, they got the lead, and they play that suffocating game where they can take the crowd out of it. And they can take your team out of it because you're not generating excitement. So, you know, see if you can put, you know, maybe a couple lines together that have produced a little bit more and, and hope the other two sort of uh, do their job and, and, and check well. And um, we didn't win. So, you know, um, I don't want to say back to the drawing board because we're not doing that. We're going back to how we started and hopefully it works out better for us with the four lines rolling over like it has most of the year. And back to the way they started with the forward units tomorrow night as to what we saw off the opening faceoff last night is reassuring in the sense of they were confident in that plan. They strategized around those four lines. They're not making any lineup changes, bringing anybody in. They're not uh, going with what they did halfway through the game. Uh, go back and lean on that preparation and uh, and admit that you weren't great last night and be better tomorrow night. You're 
You're right on the money. It's all in, in as we talked about, it's giving the players another opportunity to find their game and and get to the level that they need to be at. And for, you know, the Golden Knights, the game plan that you have going into game number one, you want to see if if at its peak can deliver on what you expected it to in this round. So I, I love the idea of the Golden Knights and Bruce Cassidy going back to what the initial plan was for game number two. Winnipeg wins 5-1. Empty netter mixed into that, and then a couple of uh, uh, late goals. They scored goals in quick succession on two occasions. But but it was a scoreless first period. It was a 2-1 game going into the third period. So it was there throughout the game yeah. uh, for, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they didn't generate enough offensively, but on the defensive side, uh, Vegas was 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 pretty good. What did Winnipeg give you that you were maybe surprised or impressed by? I I think for me the Winnipeg Jets kind of their ability to to not spend a ton of time in their own zone and and even when they were, everything was funneled to the outside. And you know I think for for my money I think with Winnipeg and. It's not necessarily uncharacteristic of Rick Bonus coach teams. They'll, they'll pay attention to the defensive side of the puck. But the Winnipeg Jets, for as, as long as the Golden Knights have been a team in this league, have been very much offense-driven, offense-focused, and the defensive side has been a, a little lackluster. It was not last night. They suffocated that game once they got a lead. Um, and then the other aspect of it that I thought was really interesting and worth mentioning, Pierre-Luc Dubois had a phenomenal game, incredibly engaged, to me the best player on the ice for the Winnipeg Jets by far. And if you get games like that out of Dubois, you're going to have to have an answer on the Golden Knights side. That's impressive because I I thought Kyle Connor was the best player for the Winnipeg Jets, which gives you an idea that they they had that line going last night. And they were able to to generate some chances, some rush chances. Uh, Shifley was impactful uh, last night as well. Uh, Blake Wheeler scored, and he never scores in the playoffs. Uh, Blake Wheeler was a, able to to score, and then uh, they got a couple of uh, late goals. But uh, uh, Lowry uh, was was effective. Uh, they they were in a lot of ways as advertised uh, when it came to their their skill and and their big players. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think again. The Winnipeg Jets are an interesting matchup in terms of, you know, the one versus second wild card for the Golden Knights because at times this year, the Winnipeg Jets have been one of the better teams in the league. And then they've had, you know, some some identity crises at times of what they were, who they were, what type of team they were going to be, almost missing the playoffs. But this team right now, if they, if they play to the identity that they had in game number one, I think it's going to be a long series. I just do. Connor Hellebuck has won every playoff game the Winnipeg Jets have won. Every one for that franchise. That's insane uh, that a franchise has sure. been around, uh, Atlanta and, and then uh, Winnipeg, that no other goaltender has won a playoff game. And you could say the exact same thing for Seattle. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. They've They've got... One guy who's won all their playoff games, Wild. and uh, and he accomplished that uh, with a pretty good performance last night. We've got news and notes, so one-timers from around the National Hockey League as we continue from the Oil Hotel and Casino and Fox Sports Las Vegas. 
Carlson, left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. We're on the rack, let's lift it, Boston, Florida. It's scoreless early on in the game two of that one uh, as the Boston Bruins look for a 2-0 series lead. Alex Lyon... I'm telling you guys the truth. I'm not lying. Uh-huh. Is back in goal for the Florida Panthers as Sergei Bobrovsky backs up again. Anybody surprised at that? No. no I think Alex Lyon going 6-1-1 one, and one down the stretch in his final eight games to get Florida into the playoffs deserves a little bit of runway. Yeah, I'm uh, shocked at it. I think uh, Mo should have gone the other way, gone to his veteran. Carolina's up 2-1 against the New York Islanders. <laughs> the Canes searching for a... series lead. I'm hoping the Islanders can put up a bit of fight in this one and Mm -hmm. and make this a series. Well, well, it was 2-0 Carolina. The Islanders did just get one back. And, you know, Sebastian Ajo did score the second goal for the Carolina Hurricanes, just not the Sebastian Ajo that plays for the Carolina Hurricanes. See, that's that's Chapman's joke. You can't steal Chapman's joke. I'm not stealing his you, joke. You were totally stealing you know his joke there. It Chapman, was the other Sebastian Ajo. He that didn't. He goal. didn't even acknowledge you. I know. I know. With, with your because yeah. that's your oh, shtick geez. right there. Yeah, the Sebastian Ajo shtick. Yes. The, the did, Swedish. Did Chapman Seb- know that the other Sebastian Ajo scored? Of course goal? he knows. That's his shtick. Yeah. He doesn't know a lot, but he knows what he knows. Came on the power Chapman, play too. Did you know? Yes. Did it was, you know? Yeah. Bounced off his stick and right. Chapman. Yes, I Chapman. did. He he baseballs. You know? We have the game on. That was a weird goal. You guys too. weren't watching that game. What are you totally, talking about? We were watching. We've got Florida. The the Bruins and Panthers went to went to intermission, so we yeah. we switched the channel. Um, the uh, the two nothing. I'm seriously. sorry, Chapman. Please, <laughs> please forgive me. Yeah, like, like that that deserves more than Stepping an all apology. All, all is forgiven. That deserves some financial compensation. Uh, last night's action in the National Hockey League. Featured road teams dominating. Let's start by picking up the pieces of Toronto and Tampa Bay. I had a great conversation today with Chris Cuthbert, the lead voice of Hockey Night in Canada. Chapman, you know Cuthbert? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's an awesome dude. And great we voice. went through it. He he uh, He's calling that game uh, for Hockey Night in Canada. And we went through it. If you want the lowdown on... Toronto and Tampa, and a little bit on Edmonton, too, because we talked about the pressure on those two teams because Canada hasn't won since uh, since 1993. A Canadian team hasn't won since 1993. Uh, walk through it. A lot of the, the history and the pressure that's, that's on those uh, players uh, in both markets. But he is fully committed to the fact that Toronto is facing more heat than, than the Oilers just because the Oilers went a little deeper last year. Uh, That's on the Chirp Podcast, available right now. Uh, Check it out. But Toronto loses 7-4 to Tampa, and they allow four power play goals to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they lose Michael Bunting to a suspension for a hit to the head, and Bunting has gone three games. I was surprised it was three games, but I agree with the suspension. And then you get to the just overall performance. Ilya Samsonov pulled after two periods. 
there's a whole lot of drama. That's the worst possible outcome for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't, I, or sorry, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I still think that, that Tampa's going to have a hard time pulling out the series. They're beat up. Victor Hedman may not play. Uh, I'm, they're not uh, uh, saying whether he's going to be able to go tomorrow night. But uh, from a drama perspective, it's, it's burning right now in Toronto. It'll be really interesting to see how the Leafs respond in game number two. There's a couple of different ways that you can look at this. Obviously, the injuries mounting for the Tampa Bay Lightning and the kind of outlook that you now have through the rest of the series. If Victor Hedman can't go in game number two, if you don't have, and it doesn't look like you're going to have Eric Chernak for uh, the foreseeable future, Mikey Essimont took a big hit to the head too. Doesn't, you're not really sure if he's going to go for Tampa, all of a sudden it becomes even more bleak for the Lightning. However, however, then you look at it from the other side and the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they usually start out really well in the playoffs. It's usually a, a story of the Leafs having a series lead, usually a three games to one series lead before they blow it and lose eventually in seven games. Maybe you flip the script if you're Toronto. Maybe you just go out there and you have your worst game of the season of the series in game number one and you can only go up from here. I'm not really sure which direction it's going to go. I picked the Leafs. I don't have any faith that they're going to be able to do it. That looked like a team that just decided to self-implode in game number one for no real reason, and it'll be interesting to see how they kind of respond in game number two. They gave up four power play goals. That's hard to do. Uh huh. Well, it's not hard to do when you take a five-minute major. But they didn't. I mean, they they got through a five-on-three. Like it was it was a strange one uh, last night that they were so bad uh, on the penalty kill, and that obviously takes a lot of uh, rotation uh, out of the mix and, and leaves players uh, sitting on the bench that don't kill the penalties, and it's a little more difficult. But uh, I, I I think it uh, it's it's created some intrigue. And uh, getting back to Chris Cuthbert, you got you got to hear what he says. So we when you do a series. You're you're allowed on the inside with the coaches, and you get each coach for about ten minutes before every game. Usually after the morning skate, one on one. That's a part of the deal uh, with having uh, the national rights, and it's great. You get some incredible insight. So in this case, you got Sheldon Keith and you got uh, John Cooper. John, you should hear some of the stuff that uh, that Cuthbert says. Uh, Coop's been offering, and John Cooper's outstanding. He's a cool guy. I consider us friends, uh, and and he can he can spin it right. Like he is unbelievable at creating a narrative, and he was offering some stuff yesterday yeah. to Cuthbert and and the broadcasters that Cuthbert rolled his eyes at, and Coop got yeah. into it with him, like jocular, uh, got into it with him. About what he was, what the Tampa Bay Lightning was, uh, coach was offering up about the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, painting this picture of this juggernaut uh, defense of the Toronto. Uh-huh. Go listen to the podcast. It's so funny how, how both coaches are trying to play the mind games and work it a little bit. And, and then we got into uh, Bob Cole, uh, the great Bob Cole, because he, he loved lines. He needed lines from every, every uh-huh. coach. And there's one coach that wouldn't give. Coley, the lines. Have I told you this story before, Chapman? No? Don't think so. Listen to it. It's 
Bob Cole's reaction to the one coach mm-hmm. in, in the Stanley Cup final that wouldn't give him the lines for that night <laughs> and the, the back and forth they had. Uh, it's awesome. That's uh, on the on the yeah. Chirp podcast. Um, uh, but uh, Toronto. Can I, can I go back to one thing? Yeah. One thing you said? Okay, you said that you would consider you and John Cooper to be friends? Yeah. So he's in your your five friends. Well, I would consider him a friend. I haven't granted him no, no, access. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. He's not Got in it. yet. I didn't yeah, say we are friends. It's you denying John Cooper access to being a friend. Yeah. Got it. Well, I'm not. Like, I'm you, not. You keep slipping up on the friend thing, buddy. No, no, no. You keep doing I, it. I would consider us. I'm gonna uh, keep friends. coming back to the well. No, I'm not like Nate Ewell. Nate, 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 and Cooper were, were roommates in college. Like that, that they're, yeah. they're buddies. They're tight. I'm not. Well, I, I'm still considering it, right? Like nah, you're not going to trip me until, up, boy. This it, show, this show I, is until I've only got five friends to. This dish is this, off this is not my first rodeo. But, this show is all full of embellishments. Yippee ki yay! Uh, we uh, oh, we're yeah. also following yeah. Minnesota and Dallas, and the Stars' performance in Game One was fantastic. No Joe Pavelski. Uh, they were great in game one, lost in double overtime. Joe Pavelski, in concussion protocol, will not play tonight in game number two as Minnesota tries to steal both on the road. I don't like this spot for Dallas, and I, full disclosure, picked the Dallas Stars to win this series. I don't know why I have that feeling. I just I kind of feel like when you play as well as the Dallas Stars did in a double overtime game, it's a bad bounce that goes against you. It can be really deflating, especially game number one on home ice. You give the Minnesota Wild a lot of life, and they are a heavy physical team. They're going to continue to, to amp up the intensity there. Um, without Joe Pavelski, I, 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 I don't know. Something about tonight's game, I, I feel like it, it might be advantage Minnesota, and I feel like there's a real possibility they might take a 2 nothing series lead. You need one of those ammonia packets. Get you going a little bit. Wait, yeah, but Dallas wins uh, tonight. There'll be a split. Of the of the uh, six series where the road team won the opener, I think, I think all six are tied at one after two. I'm putting it out there. I'm putting my great name and reputation out there uh, today. We also have wow. Los Angeles against Edmonton tonight. Yeah. Gabe Velarde back for the Kings in game number two. That was a big part of why I wasn't sure whether or not L.A. could compete with Edmonton in this series, whether or not they would be able to score enough. Now, they they put it down in the third period uh, the other night and scored three third-period goals to, to force overtime. Mm-hmm. Now they've got a little bit of offense. This will be telling to see how Edmonton responds. I think they're going to be good, uh, but uh, but it's, it's how this game goes tonight that is going to tell me a lot about the series going forward. Do, does Edmonton lock it down and win easily, or do they play like a 7-5 type game and and have to live with lackadaisical uh, and porous defending? Ooh, you sound like John Bouchagross over here counting the Kings out. Um, I like the Kings in this game. I like the Kings in this series. Uh, Connor McDavid held with held pointless in game number one. I don't expect that to kind of continue throughout the majority of the of the series. But here's the thing: when you've got Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, the most 
prolific offensive duo in the league this season. How do you counteract that with Andre Kopitar and Phil Deneau? Those two guys specifically, it tends to swing the matchup for me. Now you get Gabe Velarde back, you get a little bit more offense, and the Los Angeles Kings, I think, have the prototype to beat the Edmonton Oilers. I'm telling you right now, I think the Kings are going to win this series, and I like L.A. tonight, too. Is that the fan in you talking? No, I'm not a fan of the Kings. That's But you grew I, up I with them. You've I got, you've got I a connection ha- to them. It's not, I think I don't this is the have, booster club I, coming out in you. I don't, have, I don't have a connection to the Kings anymore. I don't live in Los Angeles. I haven't really cared about a Kings game since 2014. Like, there's, there's really not anything there. Did I just you think give, the Kings are a better team than the Oilers. I think you still have your Booster Club badge based on this. If, you, if you're going against Connor McDavid and huh. Leon Dreisaitl because they've and Matthias Ekholm, I don't, I, I'm shocked. Did you that. just did you just put Matthias Ekholm yeah. in the same conversation as Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? Like yeah, I said, this absolutely. show is all full of embellishments. Oh my goodness! I, I, oh, I, wow. I think he's been spectacular. I mean, you could have gone with with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm working my. I, I think uh, Ekholm has been spectacular for them. Absolutely, no doubt. No doubt. And, and I wasn't a fan. Of, I wasn't a fan of that trade initially because I thought they were messing with that power play. But uh, ah. but Evan Bouchard stepped into the power play, and Ekholm's been so, so solid uh, in, in settling down that blue line and move some pieces around in that blue line. Uh, I, if you want to talk third most important person on that team, I'll put Ekholm in there. Absolutely put Ekholm in there as number three most important. Uh, that's not a fluke uh, by, by mentioning that. Uh, I, much deserved in, in how valuable he is on that team and uh and i will not i will not eat it okay i'll, I'll bench it again i think the kings are gonna win the series uh, i think the, they're a better team top to bottom uh devin levi do you know uh do you know devin levi the goaltender buffalo sabers uh he's going to go play for team canada the world uh, hockey championships a uh, little interesting uh, tidbit there uh came out of northeastern and then went to buffalo and now he's going to uh Playing the World Championships, the Sabers uh, also hoping to sign uh, Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power to long-term deals. Uh, that's over on NHL.com. Uh, they're trying to lock up a lot of guys. If if it works, it's going to be great. But uh, but for a team that's still building, <laughs> they've they've committed a lot of salary uh, going going forward uh, and and spread it around in some different ways. And that's what Skinner still. Having a lot left on on, on his deal, uh, Jeff Skinner, uh, most games played, active player, uh, without playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. A uh, little side note there. So, it's interesting because I, I like the idea of trying to lock things down. You have a core of players that you feel you can believe in. You want to try to get that as cost effective and cost controlled for as long as possible. I, I truly understand that. However. They haven't made it to the dance yet. They haven't taken that that gigantic leap forward. And if you start to look at the core and say, okay, when's it going to happen? When are you going to get yourselves into the playoffs taking that next step? And how much room do you have to kind of add to supplement that? I think that's where it kind of becomes really philosophical. So I don't know if it's the right strategy, but I think it's a strategy and good for the Buffalo Sabres for figuring out a strategy. 
One series we did not talk about was the New York Rangers against the New Jersey Devils, and the boys from Manhattan walked into uh, Prudential Center and uh, stole a uh, pretty good and convincing performance uh, out of the grasp of the New Jersey Devils. It, it was never in doubt, and it was a solid win by the New York Rangers, and it's a good lesson. And, and a lot like... What Jack went through last night and Stone coming back uh, off the injury and Michael Matteo playing his second playoff game, Lauren Bressois making his first playoff start. You, you got to get through that and you hope it goes well, but it use it as a, as a learning experience. The New Jersey Devils are very similar in a lot of their key parts uh, going through that for, for the first time. I fully expect the Devils to be better when they take on the Rangers in game number two. I think that was a, a, a learning experience for a team that does not have a lot of it in terms of playoff hockey. And congratulations, Seattle Kraken uh, win their first ever playoff game by beating the Colorado Avalanche. I, that <laughs> Colorado was pretty good in that game, quite honestly. Colorado uh, could have easily walked out of that uh, with a... Uh, with a a nice, solid breather of a game. Uh, Philip Grubauer got some breaks. He was good, but he, but he got a couple of breaks in that. Uh, th- that's going to be that's my sleeper series, in the sense of really good hockey and fast hockey and fun hockey between Colorado and Seattle. The Kraken play fast, and we know the skill level of the uh, of the Colorado Avalanche. I'm really intrigued to see how it goes. Uh, as I said, I, I kind of believe in my heart of hearts that it's going to be Colorado winning the series. But in terms of my bracket, I'm all in with the mm-hmm. Seattle Kraken. Uh, just uh, getting an email. Uh, the uh, Henderson Silver Knights, uh, Vegas Golden Knights, uh, parted ways mutually, uh, parted ways with uh, head coach Manny Vivro. So a uh, change there uh, with the uh, with the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, as the uh, the head coach uh, and Manny, we love uh, Manny's been on this show uh, several times. Uh, wishing him the best of luck. He's had a, a battle uh, off the ice, and uh, and he's always positive uh, in and around us. So wishing him uh, and his family all the best. Uh, really cool dude. Uh, those are one timers for this Wednesday, April the on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Catching up with Chapman's next. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So a little bit of an interesting statistic as Paul Stasny, former Golden Knight, scored for the Carolina Hurricanes. And according to NHL Public Relations, he became the third active player to score at least one Playoff goal for five different franchises. Colorado, St. Louis, Winnipeg, obviously Vegas, and now the Carolina Hurricanes. Do you know who the other two are? So it's goals for five different teams. Yes. In the Stanley Cup playoffs. Active players. Oh, active players. Active players, yes. Wow. No. So Pat Maroon and the other... Five? Wow. The other... Also, a former Golden Knight in oh, Eric Holla, yeah, who has a chance. I have him in my head. He's got a chance to score for six teams. He has scored for Minnesota, Vegas, Florida, 
Nashville, and Boston. And if he scores a goal for the Devils, he will score a goal for his sixth NHL franchise in a Stanley Cup playoff game. It's kind of a cool little tidbit that obviously not a lot of people knew. Okay, how many playoff goals does Pat Maroon have? I don't know. I can look it up. I'll find it. I'll find it. Because that's he scored for five different teams. Yes, five different teams. Why so you, how many playoff goals does he have total? Well, let's see what hockey because reference that, says. That will be, and I, I love, because when you examine his effectiveness, he, he doesn't score a ton uh, of goals. And he has 23. 23 playoff goals in his career. 23. Split between five different teams. And as soon as my internet stops crapping out, I will tell you. <laughs> those, of course. But, uh, no, but isn't that, isn't that uh, 23? So five different teams, so average of four per, per team. That's mm-hmm. about what it, what it comes out to, yeah. yeah. Career playoff That's statistics. Math. I would imagine Anaheim. Just w- squeezed in that one. New Jersey Devil one goal. I forgot about New Jersey. Completely. Yeah, so Anaheim, Edmonton, New Jersey, St. Louis, and Tampa. Uh, Won a cup with St. Louis, scored three goals, and then scored uh, in the Stanley Cup run, scored one goal the first cup and two goals the second cup. He was actually most effective the last year when they lost in the Stanley Cup final with four. That's a rabbit hole that we went down. Yeah, and then here's here's kind of another story that has a little bit of a Golden Knights tie. Alexander Tischer for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He missed the last season due to being in the NHL protocol or substance abuse. He played, spent the year back in Europe. So he has announced he is returning to the NHL next season. However, there's a Golden Knights connection here because the Golden Knights and Columbus Blue Jackets were a team that were involved in a trade in that 2017 draft, which sent Keegan Colasar to Vegas in exchange for a pick, which the Columbus Blue Jackets oh, then him. used to hmm. take Alexander Tischer. To you, you should Google his shootout history. Oh, is it good? Oh, boy, is he filthy. Yeah. Uh, He's a good so, player. So, so filthy. Uh, Florida has a one nothing lead on the Boston Bruins. First lead of the series for the Panthers. The second wildcard team against the record-holding Boston Bruins uh, from this season. As they will try to uh, even that series up. Sam Bennett on a breakaway. Managing to squeeze it through. And the Islanders second, uh, uh, or the Carolina Hurricanes second goal tonight was an own goal from their own blue line. It was deflected in. It was just bizarre, strange. It's uh, one of the goofiest goals that, uh, that you're going to see. Do you see. know who Stefan Nosen scored the goal? But Sebastian Ajo, the mm-hmm. wrong Sebastian Ajo. Wrong Sebastian. Well, don't, well, maybe the right Sebastian Ajo. I don't know. Depending. Yeah. But he basically see, had now a, you're on form. You got your stick going yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. He, he had, he had a, a, a baseball swing, and uh, he, he sent the puck in between uh, or, or in the net. I like what Bruce Cassidy said earlier, that they didn't have a firm plan that they were going to practice today, but they came in, did a meeting, went out in the ice. Everybody feels good about themselves, and uh, there's positive energy, and you go back and you get it going tomorrow. I, I like that approach uh, from from the head coach, Ryan. So do I. I'm 
really intrigued and really interested to see how the Golden Knights, to a man, responds tomorrow night in Game 2 against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Brave McNabb not on the ice tonight. Uh, personal uh, tenant matter. And uh, Alec Martinez uh, taking a maintenance day. Uh, Lauren Bressois taking a maintenance day. Uh, both, uh, all three, expected to play tomorrow for Game 2. And it's a regular start time tomorrow. All right. 7 o'clock. It'll be just after 7 o'clock. Uh, national television uh, taking a little bit extra time. But uh, right in our same window. Uh, of a 7 o'clock start time. So the VGK Insider Show, 4 to 6, and then the pregame show with Ryan Wallace setting you up to Dan Duva and Gary Lawless on the call. And we're back on the AT&T Sportsnet Network. Uh, We'll talk to you tomorrow from T-Mobile.